0: message for this morning our heavenly father's day and yes let us greet the lord father's day as well in prayer shall we and especially after we hear from his word i thought to preach on this because of the fact that father's day falls on sunday as some holidays do which is the lord's day and i've only recalled one time that i Preached on the Heavenly Father's day, as it were. But let me be clear about our calling Him our Heavenly Father. As the Creator, God is the Father of all mankind. As it says in Acts 17, 24 and following. Acts 17, 24. To 28. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worship with men's hands as though he needed anything, seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things, and hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And have determined the times before appointed, and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if happy they might feel after Him, and find Him, though He be not far from every one of us. For in Him we live, and move, and have our being. Therefore, on that basis, can we not say that you and me, and everyone out there, are children of God, who is our Creator, and our Benefactor, and the ruler of the world. We can call him, everyone can call him Father in that sense. However, as the Redeemer, God is the Father only of the elect. In Ephesians, another passage, Ephesians one three through seven, I'd like to read it as well. Ephesians chapter one, verses three to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What a sublime and glorious and comforting passage of scripture this is. And so let me ask you this question. Are you a child of God in this sense, in the biblical sense of the word, chosen by the Father before the foundation of the world, washed in the blood of the Lamb, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, and born again by the Spirit of the living God? That's a question that only you can answer. And so if you are His child, the following instruction is meant for you. How may we cultivate a healthier and more intimate relationship with God our Father in our prayer life, in our communion life with the Lord. First, through biblical prayer, do you desire to pray? David says, delight thyself also in the Lord, and he will give thee the desires of thine heart. To pray in a God-honoring way that your heavenly Father will hear, Jesus' disciples were motivated to pray, according to this passage. In the depth of their souls, they knew that such prayer could only come from God. And so they pleaded, in verse 1, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. As a consequence, the Lord Jesus gave them what has since been called, what? The Lord's Prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. That's the complete Matthew version that we always think about when we consider the Lord's Prayer. This is a more abbreviated one, but it has some things in it that I think are important for our consideration of God as our Heavenly Father. In it, that is in our passage in Luke, we return back to it in Luke 11, he teaches three things. He teaches praise, to praise our Heavenly Father. He says, when you pray, say, our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That means your name is set apart. We set your name apart in our hearts, in our worship. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. And you can use the Lord's Prayer, as it's called, also known as the Our Father, because it's scriptural. But just don't let it get mechanical and mundane in your repeatedly reciting it. But, But as a precursor to prayer, it certainly is most edifying. Christ said in the Matthew uh, version in verse 9 after, the, after this manner pray ye our Father so he d- wasn't saying that you should pray exactly these words you should pray your own words and use this as the pattern as the mold as it were and you could also draw praise from the Psalms like Psalm 150 which uh, we has even been put to music Praise the Lord. Praise God in His sanctuary. Praise Him in the firmament of His power. Praise Him for His mighty acts. Praise Him according to His excellent greatness. Praise Him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise Him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise Him with the timbrel and dance. Praise Him with string instruments and organs. Praise Him upon the loud cymbals. Praise Him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. In the New Testament, as many of you know, in First Thessalonians 5, 16, it says, Rejoice evermore and pray without ceasing. But also, petition our Heavenly Father after we praise Him, as after we uh, adore Him. Uh, we petition our Heavenly Father uh, to give us the things that we need. In those words... Give us day by day our daily bread. Notice the difference between this rendering and the and the other one in Matthew. Uh, first of all, the daily bread, our daily bread, is covering all the bases: food and water and clothing and yes, even shelter. Although shelter is not uh, given by our Lord as a necessity, uh, nor by by the apostles, uh, but yes. All the bases all of our needs for ourselves and for our families and for our loved ones and when it comes down to any but when it comes down to any one thing that we absolutely need to survive it's that food yes water too in fact water is going to extend your life Uh, if you were lacking uh, food or water lacking. Uh, water will, 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 is known to be what is absolutely necessary and, uh, and that in order to extend your life. But nevertheless, uh, food, if I can just use that to include a drink, uh, is what we are to plead for each day. And yes, it's very proper to give thanks for our food. It's very proper to do it before we eat and not just eat like our animals that uh, are our pets, for example, who don't give thanks. Um, Let me say this. Throughout this passage, you will note in each of the examples that it is food that is talked about. Isn't that interesting? Back then, in those days, when they didn't have a lot of the conveniences that we have, that was it. And they did pretty well, I mean, considering their lifespans uh, back, especially in the earlier times of the Bible. In everything, we are to give thanks. Why? Because this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. And then, lastly, in this Lord's Prayer, plead for pardon and deliverance from our Heavenly Father. In verse 4 of Luke 11, and forgive us our sins as we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Let's note that, uh, that when we ask for forgiveness, it is to God our Heavenly Father, through Christ His Son, and it is by the help of the Holy Spirit. Remember that it is our Heavenly Father who sent the Savior into our lives. Read in 1 John 1, 7 through 9 about that. 1 John 1, 7 through 9. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice in the present tense, which means that the blood of Christ goes shed thousands of years ago on the cross of Calvary has continual cleansing power. There is power in the blood of the Lamb as that he grows. If we say that we have no sin, in other words, we're in self-denial or in sin denial, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness meaning that he is able to cleanse our ongoing sins because while we were saved from the penalty of sin at the cross and justified by faith in our Lord Jesus Christ yet the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in sanctifying us requires that we confess our sins every day because we are still sinners we have not been saved from the presence of sin which is yet to come we talk about biblical prayer but we also need desperate prayer desperate prayer now where do I get that back in our passage in Luke 11 and he said unto them in verse 5 which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey has come to me and i have nothing to set before him and he from within shall answer and say trouble me not the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot rise and give thee go home you're disturbing the children in their sleep go away Verse 8, I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, he will rise and give him as many as he needeth. What is that? Importunity. I know what opportunity is. But importunity, you might say, is like seeking to have opportunity. It's like people who are looking for work right now and people who are looking for To have their sicknesses addressed by being able to go into hospitals right now. Uh, It's a persistency to the point of annoyance or even impudency, meaning, because of your desperation, you're not going to take no for an answer. It's like that proverbial salesman that just will not take no for an answer and puts his foot in that door even though it gets slammed uh, 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 on his foot. Matthew Henry writes, Luke 18.1, that men ought always to pray and not to faint. Perhaps part of our problem is that we, we faint before we even get to our knees in prayer, before we even get to the throne of grace in supplication. Not that God can be wrought upon by importunity. We cannot be troublesome to Him nor by being so, change his counsels. We're not changing God's mind. One iota, whatsoever. Everything has been ordained from the foundation of the world, and and only what is ordained shall come to pass. He goes on, we prevail with men by importunity, because they are displeased with it, but with God, because he is pleased with it. So that same spirit, although we have to exercise caution and self-restraint that we don't be like some, like in some sectors of the church that are pressing into the kingdom of God and demanding of God this and demanding of God that, we need to back off from that, certainly. But at the same time, we have to have that persistency, like that importune widow, she is called, who just kept bugging the judge, bugging the judge, recognizing his honor and all of that, But until he granted her what she wanted. Because if not, if not, she will continue to doggedly be knocking at his door. And she has every right to do that until he gives in. So is our Heavenly Father. Every day you and I should feel this way. Having been awakened to our desperate condition as sinners. Though our sins are great in the sight of a holy God and not just the sins of the unconverted, but our sins, yet his grace is greater still, the Bible says, and that because of the work of Christ. and it's all because of the work of Christ, and his grace is what it is. In Hebrews 10:19 through22, Hebrews 10. Nineteen through twenty-two. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest, meaning to heaven, by the blood of Jesus—that's the access we have, because He has made the way. He has made the way by His torn flesh. He has made the way by His shed blood, which which spots the trail to glory for His people by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil that is to say his flesh. And having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, full assurance of faith. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound, said the Apostle Paul. And so let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may... Find mercy and obtain grace to help in time of need. The third kind of prayer that Christ taught is obedient prayer, according back in Luke eleven to verse nine and ten, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given unto you; seek and you shall find; knock and it shall be opened unto you. Again, it's in the present tense. Technically, the present active imperative meaning it's a command he says ask he doesn't say if you ask or if you would ask he says ask and seek and knock and what he's really saying is don't stop doing that ask and keep on asking seek and keep on seeking knock and keep on knocking that's what he commands us to do and with compliance, we are assured of the fruit. For all the promises of God in Christ are yea, and in Christ, amen, unto the glory of God by us. He said at one time in verse nine that it should be, and that should be sufficient. But he repeats himself in verse ten for good measure, like the Bible says that with the witness of two or three, let every word be established. Or a scripture like in Hebrews six, where it says, and I'll quote it to you, that by two immutable things, two unchangeable things, even the word of God, repeated, in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation, who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast. Hebrews six eighteen through twenty. In other words, hope is anchored on the shores of heaven when Jesus went up there in our behalf. And lastly, after he has taught us about biblical prayer and desperate prayer and obedient prayer, he teaches us about believing prayer. In verse 11 and 12 and 13. Let me say first that a good father will only give his child what is good, never bad, to meet his every need as our Lord reminds us in verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? Let me just say that uh, his saying that instead of bad things or things that we would not ordinarily eat. I say ordinarily because some of us do eat uh, serpents and maybe even scorpions. Uh, when you're desperate, it doesn't matter what it is, as long as it's moving. But uh, we'll exempt we'll stone and, you know, for, for most of us. Uh, a good father will never give us anything that we cannot stomach or cannot be nourished by, let's say. And so how much more our Heavenly Father give us only what is good. And according to verse 13, what better thing, I and mean, he gives us everything, there is a thing that he doesn't provide us with. So having said that, what better thing for the Lord to give us than himself, Because after all, he is the Holy Spirit. God, that is. They are a separate Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but God is the Holy Spirit. Verse 13. If ye then, being evil, meaning with a sinful nature, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? Last Sunday we learn about this. And this is all providential, how this all falls out, isn't it? As we give it to the Lord and as we uh, uh, bring it to the Lord in prayer. Uh, last week, I, I noted that he, that is the Holy Spirit, is God's life-giving and life-changing power. And I'll just read these scriptures, like from John 7. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. But this he spake of the Spirit, the living waters, that is, is the Spirit of God, which he that believe on him, on Christ, should receive. Also we learn that it is the Holy Spirit who leads us to our Savior, to receive him by faith. In John 15, 26, But when the Comforter, that is the Holy Spirit, is come, whom I shall send you from the Father, Even the spirit of truth which proceedeth from the Father, he shall testify of me. He will not speak of himself, but he will take that which is mine, and what is the Father's, and will give it to you. He is the presence of God. John 14, 16. Our memory verse, I would have you quote that, but I would defer to just reading it. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter. Another, other than self, because the Comforter, the Father, but especially the Son, is one who comes alongside us, and this all of the above that I have already mentioned to you, and I will continue to elaborate for you. He is our resident teacher. John fourteen twenty six, that the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, shall teach you all things and bring to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. He empowers us to be witnesses to our risen Lord, Acts 1, 8, that ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost part of the earth. That's what his church Has done to this present day. And that is why we have churches all over the world now, because of the faithfulness of God who has convicted our hearts to go out there with the gospel. And I'm speaking, of course, of Christ's church, which is the agency, which is the vehicle, which is the instrument of God in this mission of salvation. And also the Holy Spirit will be our advocate in a God-hating world as we bear witness to the gospel as we learned last time, because he will reprove, that is, convict the world of what? Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because I go to the Father, and you see me no more. And of judgment, because the prince of this world, Satan, is judged. And in some instances, the Holy Spirit actually uses our testimony to convert the very elect through our testimony. And what a joy that is. I am not patting myself on the back, but when Joe reunited us, Joe, De Leon, after years of being apart, I, my heart just rejoiced. And by the way, I did meet him one time at, at Kaiser, years before, maybe like five to eight years before that, when both of us were sick and we were going there for, for something, and he was so gracious and he was so friendly. and. Uh, you know, he has always been that way. And, and I know he is, he's rejoicing in heaven right now. What a blessing. Our Lord says that other sheep I have which are not of this fold, meaning they're not of the Messianic uh, Christians, the Jews that became his first followers. But those other sheep, he says, them I must also bring. And they will hear my voice, And there will be one fold and one shepherd. And that's him. You probably never knew that you could ask for the Holy Spirit before. I don't know if you ever thought about that. Or maybe this passage where the Lord says in verse... In our passage, in verse 13... How much more shall your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask Him? You probably have never really given that, like myself, if you're anything like me, uh, that much thought. Because, you know, with our theology, our more complete uh, uh, theology, as it were, uh, we we understand that uh, the Spirit of God comes into us in regeneration, in the new birth. And he remains with us, as we have already noted in the words of our Lord. And so we never think of asking for the Spirit. I mean, after all, he is with us. Well, maybe if we look at it in this way, and that is as we would ask God to visit us in our worship, or as we would invite uh, Christ um, uh, to fellowship with us, uh, like it says in 1 John, where our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Uh, maybe it's it's like that. And, and so uh, asking the Holy Spirit to, to uh, uh, meet with us, to fill us, to bless us, is what this is about. Uh, it is, after all, uh, Him who led us to Christ. And so uh, will you consider maybe asking, in the future, asking the Holy Spirit, inviting Him, as it were, into the fellowship. Because it is not as John noted, the Father and the Son only, and I'll read that to you as it comes to my mind. It is the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And so in First John, it says, in verse 1 of 1 John 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. That's Jesus. And there's referring to how they were eyewitnesses and actually held the Lord. For the life is manifest, and we have seen it and bear witness and show unto you that eternal life, which is with the Father, and was manifest unto us, meaning Jesus Christ. He is The true God and eternal life. He says at the end of this letter here. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. But Let me tuck in, as it were, the Holy Spirit so that it would read. And truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ and with Holy Spirit. Just something to thought and for application. And so let us give thanks and praise to the Father for sending the Savior. But let us, moreover, give thanks and praise to the Father and to the Son who both together sent the Holy Spirit. And that is a special application, if you will, of this message. Because it's the Holy Spirit who leads us to Christ and ultimately to the Father and so in conclusion let me ask this and that is how is your prayer life with God our Heavenly Father and that's for your own consideration and meditation and application is your prayer biblical is it desperate is it obedient and believing For with such prayer, God, our Heavenly Father, is well pleased. With that, let us pray to Him. Father in Heaven, we greet you a happy Father's Day. Most of all, we do, O Lord, almost instinctively to the fathers of our families, to our earthly fathers and mothers when that time comes. But Lord we greet you too. A blessed Father's Day. And of course, with every Lord's Day, we acknowledge you and especially your Son for having risen from the dead and having brought to us eternal life. Bless us now, we pray, on this, your day. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's now... uh,